Hey guys, it's Tana. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Oddity Podity. On June 6, I did an episode called Haunted Hiking Trails of the South, in which I spoke about Tallulah Falls State Park and Tallulah Gorge in Tallulah Falls, Georgia. I had no idea that Georgia was so freaky deaky. In the state park alone, there's a 500-foot waterfall, demonic little pranksters that try to drown you, the ghost of an angry Native American warrior that'll try to shoot you, a terrifying fish monster that'll try to swallow you whole, and even an actual portal to hell. See, I wasn't exaggerating when I said that there was a lot of paranormal stuff afoot in Tallulah Falls, and that's just inside the park. While researching that episode, I decided I wanted to go, so I was looking around at places nearby that I could stay, and I found out that there's some really weird stuff going on in the surrounding area as well. So if you're like me and you're planning a road trip to Tallulah Falls State Park, keep listening, because I'm about to tell you about some must-see places to stop on your way to your haunted hike. I'm talking about a town called Dahlonega, Georgia, a place that just may be one of the most haunted towns in the whole USA. about haunted hiking trails was one of my favorites. I've been to many places on that episode, but not to Tallulah Falls, Georgia. And I really wanted to go this fall after reading about the beautiful foliage that turns out when the weather gets cool. But since it doesn't feel like the weather is ever going to get cool down here in the South, it might be a minute. However, while researching places to stay and things to do during my theoretical trip to Tallulah Falls, I found a place close by that completely drew me in. It has a long, colorful history that's resulted in a plethora of hauntings, and I wanted to share just a few of those stories with you today. When it comes to bang for your buck in terms of ghost hunting, the city of Dahlonega, Georgia is where you want to be. Located about 35 miles southwest of Tallulah Falls, Dahlonega has a ghost story attached to pretty much every place you go. Be it food, entertainment, or lodging you're looking for, this place has a creepy legend lurking everywhere you turn. It all starts as soon as you come into town, when you pass by a gigantic rock pile on the side of the highway at the intersection of US-19 and Georgia-60. You'll be like, WTF is that Pebble Mountain all about? I'll tell you what it's all about. The Pebble Mountain is known as Stone Pile Gap, and it's more than just a pile of stones. The state historic marker that's planted in it designates it as the grave of a Cherokee princess named Trelata. In 2017, Perry Urey did a deep dive into the legend of Trelata in an article published on SmokyMountainLiving.com. According to Perry, Trelata was a beautiful woman, but she wasn't just born that way, and it wasn't just Maybelline either. No, Trelata had a little more help in the beauty department well before Botox was invented. You see, she and her family made their home on nearby Cedar Mountain, which was also home to a powerful sorcerer named, duh, the Witch of Cedar Mountain. One day, while Trelata was probably worrying about the crow's feet around her eyes and wondering why no one had invented Botox yet, the witch hit her up and said, Yo, follow me. I got something I want to show you. The witch led Trelata deep into the woods until they came to a freshwater pool. She told the Cherokee princess that if she drank the water every day, she would never grow old and would grow more beautiful with each sip. Trelata followed the witch's instructions, and sure enough, she went from the pretty girl next door to a smoking hot hottie in no time at all. 
word got out and suitors began to hike all the way out to Cedar Mountain to shoot their shot with Trelada. She wasn't interested in any of them, but naturally there was one knucklehead named Wasiga who didn't get that no is a complete sentence. Trelada pleaded for Wasiga to release her. Even when she began to age and her looks faded, he refused to let her go. Along with her beauty, her life force drained away until she was a mere husk of her former self. With the last of her strength, she pleaded with her captor to bury her near her home at Cedar Mountain. This Wasiga agreed to do. Not sure why he couldn't just let her go as long as he was granting wishes, but I guess he was just a spiteful jerk. Anyway, after Wasiga buried her, he covered her grave with rocks. When word got out of Trelada's passing, people began to visit her grave, and they left a rock on top of it to pay their respect. Then it became tradition for passerby to leave a rock on the grave, and thus, now we have a giant pile of rocks. According to Perry's article, there's a song that commemorates the princess and her dying wish. It goes like this. Pass not by, stranger, stop. Silently bear your head. Drop a stone upon her grave and make a wish straight from her heart. The spirit of eternal youth and happiness hovers near to grant the wishes of all who love the hills and valleys of her native home. And so it's believed that if you leave a stone on Trelada's grave and make a wish, the spirit of the unfortunate Cherokee princess will grant you beauty and happiness. But if you remove one of her rocks, woe to you. Woe to the max. Perry says that there are reports that twice the Georgia Department of Highways set out to relocate the grave due to road construction. And both times, fatal accidents occurred when they attempted to move the pile of rocks. That's why the pile of rocks is so close to the busy highway. Sure, people needed a quicker way to get to McDonald's, but the Georgia Highway Department wasn't willing to sacrifice more of its workers for that privilege, so this was the happy medium. On hauntedplaces.org, Visitors of Trilada's grave had posted their paranormal experiences with the shrine. In 2015, a poster named Dalton said that a friend of his took a rock from the pile and became very ill the next day. He decided to return the rock because he thought it was the source of the bad luck. And when he did, he found $800. In 2020, a poster named Brian wrote that he and his sister nearly had a car accident when they drove past the rock pile and suddenly saw a female figure with long black hair wearing a long white gown standing beside the road. They missed a curve and nearly drove off a cliff, but somehow their car was pulled back onto the road as if by supernatural force. Who knows if these two incidents were caused by the spirit of the Native American princess or just weird luck. As for the freshwater pool that Trelada drank from to keep her beautiful and ageless, that's believed to be nearby Porter Springs. Some historians claim that this spring is the very fountain of youth that Hernando de Soto set out to find in 1540, based on an ancient Spanish helmet that was found nearby it. While there is proof that the spring does contain minerals that improve health, there's nothing to indicate that they would make you young and beautiful forever. Otherwise, I'd have already drained it. If you're like me, you'll be starving once you get into town. Luckily, there are tons of local restaurants to try out, most of which have their very own ghost stories. If you're in the mood for pizza, which I always am, there's the Piazza Italian restaurant where customers have witnessed plates and silverware move around and fall off of tables all on their own and have heard the strange sound of a doorbell ringing, even though there's not a doorbell, and disembodied footsteps. There's also Picnic Cafe, an establishment that was built in 1897 by Colonel W.P. Price. The cafe is haunted by the colonel himself, who has been seen there in the ghostly flesh as has the phantom figure of a woman. 
No one is sure who the woman is, but a psychic investigator determined that the ghost is there because she is waiting for someone or something. That's one thing that local ghost hunters have been trying to find the answer to. Then there's the Bourbon Street Grill, where you might see a chess piece on a giant game board move all on its own. And at the back porch oyster bar, you might encounter the ghost of a woman who likes to play pranks and scare the bejesus out of customers. But the restaurant with one of the most mysterious histories is located at 84 North Public Square. It's a place called Capers on the Square, and it serves up delicious Mediterranean cuisine. Interestingly, above the restaurant's name and awning is another name, Fred Jones Building. Who is Fred Jones, and why is his name in big old letters across a place that sounds like there's some delicious hummus inside? Well, Fred was once the most popular guy in Dahlonega. In fact, he was the mayor. He also represented the good people of Dahlonega and the House of Representatives for about 15 years. When he got tired of that, he came on back home and was elected mayor again. Fred also owned a Chevrolet dealership, which was housed in, you guessed it, the Fred Jones Building at 84 North Public Square. On August 8th of 1973, Jones's dead body was found inside the dealership. He'd been killed by a single gunshot wound to the head. According to an article in Georgia Today that was printed the next morning, Jones had left his home at around 1230 a.m. in the morning, saying that he was going to the dealership, but not clarifying why or what business was so urgent that it couldn't wait till normal business hours. The next day when the store opened, a dealership employee found his boss's body. Jones's own 38 caliber handgun and wallet were found five feet away from his body. The 38 had not been fired and there were no powder burns on his hands. Cash from his wallet was found on the ground another foot away, as though the wallet had been dumped out and rifled through, and money had not been what the culprit was looking for. It seemed as though someone had lured him from his home to the dealership in the middle of the night, and Jones had taken his handgun for protection, but had been overtaken and killed. Because of all of this, Jones's death was declared a homicide. But in an article from the Tallahassee Democrat just a few weeks later in September, the Georgia Division of Investigation came to a different conclusion. They stated that Mayor Fred Jones had died by suicide, which was a shock to his family. Officials said that once the autopsy and further testing was conducted, they actually did find gunshot residue, but it was on the sleeve of his left hand, which was not the dominant hand. Because of this, investigators concluded that Jones had pulled the trigger of the gun with the thumb of his left hand to make it look like someone else had done it and to presumably allow his family to collect his life insurance. They offered no explanation on how that gun had ended up five feet from his body, though, and where the actual gun that had killed Jones ended up, or if it was a different gun. Jones's family had questions about that, too, and voiced their objections about the ruling. They said that Jones had no reason to commit suicide, as his life was pretty happy. They said that he'd been looking forward to the birth of his first grandchild and opening a second car dealership, and was on the verge of completing several construction projects. There was nothing to indicate that he was suicidal. However, we do know that people often take their own lives even when there are no outward signs that they might do so, so no one is really sure what happened. The death of Fred Jones remains shrouded in mystery, and it seems that his spirit may be restless about that fact. People who have owned the building have found their locked doors standing wide open the next morning and displays rearranged and shuffled around overnight. 
Most alarming are reports of a shadowy figure seen seated at a table in the cafe near where Jones's office used to be, near where he died. Stop in for the hummus, stay for the haunt. Okay, that was just silly. Perhaps the epicenter of all of these hauntings can be found at Mount Hope Cemetery, which is an absolute must-see if you're going to visit Dahlonega. The cemetery was established the same year as the town was, in 1833, when Samuel Darter died and was buried there. Samuel was joined there a year later by his infant son, Hendrick. And over the following years, residents of Dahlonega and the surrounding area made Mount Hope their final resting place. There was no particular layout or burial plot plan to the cemetery back then. And according to LumpkinHistory.org, people were generally buried in clusters away from trees whose roots made digging graves more difficult. This all changed 28 years later. As the Civil War tore through America, the cemetery became flooded with casualties from both sides of the conflict. According to one psychic, Mount Hope Cemetery is still the home of many Civil War veteran ghosts. Even though Georgia was part of the Confederacy, there was plenty of pro-Union sentiment in the state. A lot of people don't realize that there was pro-Union sentiment in a lot of Southern Confederate states. In fact, one of my super great uncles was famously forced to fight for the Confederacy in the Civil War. He faked his own death and then defected to the North, where he dropped the first letter of his last name. With this new last name, he enlisted with the Union Army and fought on their side. After the war, he earned a military pension, but ironically, he was forced to hand over this pension as part of his divorce settlement when his wife left him. Because this was the first divorce ever filed in the county, it was quite the scandal, and my super great aunt reportedly used her knowledge of his war defection to blackmail him into giving her that pension. My family's surname is still the one with the first letter removed from it, but that has nothing to do with the story of Mount Hope Cemetery except that you can't expect to see ghosts in both Confederate and Union uniforms out there. One famous story of this sort of defection took place when Union General Sherman began his infamous march to the sea. The march to the sea was a campaign by the general to frighten Georgia's civilians into abandoning the Confederate cause and defecting to the Union side. He did this by sending his soldiers to steal food and livestock, burn houses and barns, and generally terrorize people who resisted. As General Sherman laid out these plans, he initially sent three Union agents into North Georgia to gather support and potential voluntary recruits. However, Confederate forces captured the Union soldiers. The Union agents were tortured for three days and then brought to what is now the Ore House restaurant, where they were executed by firing squad. Side note, the Ore House is now a wedding venue, so it sounds like death by firing squad is still going on there. Sort of, in a way. I mean, the death of your single life. Anyway, it was said that after these Union soldiers were beaten and shot, their bodies were so brutalized that their wives could only identify which ones were their husbands by the stitchings in their socks. These soldiers had been spotted in the cemetery, sometimes just standing around looking lost, other times sitting around a phantom table playing poker. They've also been known to touch and try to interact with the living. It was reported in 1953 that town librarian Madeline Anthony captured these soldiers on film. She took a photograph of the cemetery and in it there was a mysterious mist and what many believe are the clear figures of these Civil War ghosts. If you're looking for a haunted venue to celebrate a wedding or honeymoon and the Ore House is booked, 
Try the Forest Hills Resort and Conference Center located at 135 Forest Hills Road. According to hauntedplaces.org, Forest Hills is a hot spot for paranormal activity. The property itself is gorgeous. It's in a forest setting with lodges, wildlife, and natural beauty. It's also rich in history, with the Trail of Tears having gone straight through it. It was also the site of Civil War fighting and has a long history of being a hideout for moonshiners, some of whom were killed in shootouts and hangings. Despite these deaths that were caused by violence, disease, and war, it's said that the majority of the ghosts here are friendly and even playful, pulling innocent pranks like flipping on light switches, moving stuff around in your room, and maybe even hiding in it and making spooky noises. Hauntedplaces.org also has stories from visitors who've experienced hauntings there during their stays. Earlier this year, a current employee wrote that while she was working there overnight in a snowstorm, her dog exhibited some very strange behavior. While staying in the treetopper, which is this massive 16-room group lodge on the property, the dog would suddenly grow very still and stare intently at one area of the room. Then the dog began to growl low, long, and defensively. Anyone who has a dog who's done this knows how spine-chilling it is. My dog's a golden doodle who loves everyone, but she did this once and it freaked me out to the core. It's like they can see someone or something that you can't, and they know it's not supposed to be there either. I could just envision some blood-covered demon standing there while my innocent doggie tried to warn me. I can't imagine how terrifying it must have been for that lodge employee to be snowed inside that huge lodge like it was the shining full of ghosts, and that her puppy was trying to protect her by staring and growling at this unseen intruder over and over all night long. Another guest posted a story about a series of strange experiences that he had while staying there. It all started the first night when he had a dream that a black shroud wrapped around him. He tried to scream, but all that came out of him was a loud hum, which made his wife think that he was having a stroke. In reality, he was having a pretty gnarly instance of sleep paralysis. The next day, they all went for a hike, but kept feeling like they were being followed. They turn around to see who is there, but there was never anyone. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, they were attacked by hornets, which the man was allergic to. Thankfully, they had some Benadryl on hand and didn't require medical attention, but overall, it seemed like this dude stumbled upon some pretty bad juju out there. Yet another guest wrote of a similar experience, in which a bird randomly appeared in their cabin one night. Later the next night, he was awakened by the sound of heavy footsteps clomping throughout the cabin. After checking all over for an intruder and finding no one, He then began to hear the sound of phantom bluegrass music coming from outside. He walked out onto the back deck to see where it was coming from, and sure enough, he heard someone singing with a guitar, a fiddle, and a bass fiddle playing far off in the woods, although he could see no one. He and his wife continued to experience more phenomenon during their stay, like strange lights in the woods at night and furniture moving and shaking inside their cabin. He also dreamed of a teenage boy in a Union soldier uniform twice. Once the boy was out in the woods, and another time he was inside their cabin. If spending the night out in the woods isn't your thing, you can still find haunted lodging in town. The historic Worley Bed and Breakfast Inn, located at 168 West Main Street, is a beautiful home that was built in 1845. It was once home to Captain William Jasper Worley and his family, and it sits right in front of the road that Union troops traveled on the way to the Battle of Kennesaw during the Civil War. According to the Gwinnett Daily Post, Captain Worley ran the local newspaper. When he was deployed to fight in the Civil War, he handed over the family business to his 14-year-old son, Claude. 
Claude took his duties seriously, running out to meet the mail train every day to ensure that the newspaper was printed on time. But one day, when the boy ran out to meet the train, he ran out in front of it and was struck. He was taken inside the Worley house and attempts were made to save his life, but his injuries were too grave and he soon passed away. Claude's mother, Victoria, never recovered from the death of her son. She wore black every day for the rest of her life and sat motionless for hours beside his grave. The current owner of the house says that they noticed paranormal activity in the home as soon as they purchased it. For example, she said that anytime there was any stress or disagreement in the house, the front door would open by itself, even if it had been locked. Unexplained gusts of wind would blow through the house, throwing around papers and tipping over lamps. Windows constantly open by themselves, making cleaning and renovations pretty difficult, especially during storm season. These renovations in particular seemed to rankle Claude, although the hauntings never seemed threatening, but more like the spirit was just annoyed. But Claude isn't the only spirit inside the Worley house. Others have seen a Confederate soldier at the end, and paranormal investigators have determined that the house stands at the junction of an unusual parallel plane that is said to be enhanced by the natural springs that run beneath it. Others say the stories are a bunch of hooey, but one guest took a photo of a room, and sure enough, the image of a boy lying on the bed appeared. It's believed to be the very image of young Claude as he lie dying of his injuries. The Whirly Inn is beautiful, and I'd stay there even if it wasn't haunted. Heck, Dahlonega in general sounds like a fun place to visit. There's a ton of history, including a 19th century public square, a gold museum which chronicles the gold mines that were found there in the 1800s, an 1836 courthouse, Native American and Civil War artifacts, and regional vineyards that host wine tasting. Best of all, there are only 7,000 residents, so traffic is probably pretty chill. Just watch out for that rock pile on the way into town. I hope I'll be able to visit there soon as soon as the weather chills and report back to you on all the ghosties that live there, as well as all the freaky deaky goings on at nearby Tallulah Falls. Hopefully, I'll have a good follow-up episode very soon. In the meantime, thanks so much for spending your time with me today. If you're enjoying the show, please tell your friends about us and leave a five-star review. I cannot thank you enough or tell you how helpful it is to keeping this show alive. Thank you so much. I hope that you'll join me again next week, same time, same place, for a little more history and a little more haunt. We'll see you then.